So in Celtic Christianity, uh, they symbolize the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. You guys see that wild goose? And um, they, they symbolize the Holy Spirit as a wild goose because of its wildness and um, untamable nature. The Celtic Christians were Christians out of the area of Ireland and Scotland during the Middle Ages. And I like this wild goose imagery because it reminds me of my daughter, Ellie, and her untamable nature and wildness to be free and not to be contained or held down. She's always on the move. And normally we think of the Holy Spirit as a dove, which is true. But also the Spirit has a wildness and untamable nature that, we, that cannot be contained. So following the movement of the Spirit is like following the movement of a wild goose chase. And in my case, it's like following Ellie all over the place. In today's passage, we see the powerful person and the surprising work of the Holy Spirit. And it's like following the movement of a wild goose chase. And um, I want us to see this in Peter's life and as well as in a Roman centurion named Cornelius in our passage today. But before we dive in, I want to give you a recap of all of all what of all of um, of what all has happened up to this point in the book of Acts. So let's look at kind of the context. In Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes at the day of Pentecost like a violent wind. Hmm, violent wind. And the people see what seem to be tongues of fire. People are speaking in tongues. And this is the beginning of the early church. I'm going to skip to chapter 7 and 8. Stephen is stoned to death. He is killed for preaching about Jesus to the Jewish religious leaders. And the church is persecuted and scattered beyond Jerusalem. A young Pharisee named Saul was persecuting Christians out of their homes and throwing them into prison. Philip meets and baptizes an Ethiopian eunuch who takes the gospel to Africa. Saul is suddenly blinded. He's knocked off a horse, and he becomes a Christian. He goes back. Nobody believes him. Peter meets a woman who has passed away, and he raises Tabitha up from the, from the dead. A Roman centurion has a vision of Peter and calls for him to come to his home. Peter has a vision about unclean food on a blanket falling from heaven, and then Peter is invited to a Gentile's home, a Roman centurion. The overarching question for our passage today that I want us to see is, how can we be more open and make room to discern the people, uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, leading us to places and people we wouldn't normally expect? That's a mouthful. So let me read it one more time. How can we as a church be more open as individuals, make more room to discern the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, leading us to places and people we wouldn't normally expect. 
we have three questions today for our passage. The first question, why were Peter and the Jewish believers so surprised that they witnessed the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured even on the Gentiles? Why were they so shocked? Why were they so astonished? Well, you got to go back to Peter's life. Think about Peter. Peter was a faithful and devout Jew. So everything Peter did was based on his Jewish faith and culture, the way he talked, the way he walked, the foods he could eat, the way he tied and untied his sandals, the way he lived. He constantly had to define us versus them, us referring to the Jewish believers and them referring to the outsiders especially the Gentile Roman oppressors who were, who were considered the unclean outsiders. So for the Jewish people, following the Jewish ways was a reminder, right, that they were considered God's chosen people. And the outsiders, the Gentiles who didn't follow the Jewish ways were not God's chosen people. So let's go back to the question, why were they so surprised? Why were they so shocked when they saw the Gentiles speaking in tongues and praising God? Well, up until this point, Peter and his Jewish friends did not understand that the God of Israel was so much bigger than what they had imagined. That God was doing something so much greater beyond their little group of insiders that they needed the Holy Spirit and the outsiders to teach them and show them that God is not the God of insiders. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the God of all creation. And Peter and his little group of Jewish apostles always imagined something different. They imagined outsiders would culturally become like Jews, adopt all their laws and customs, and then they could have access to God of Israel. But that's not how it happens. This encounter that Peter has, it reveals God's desire to break down the dividing walls of hostility and hate that have kept us captive to seeing one another as insiders and outsiders for, for, for far too long. And if we follow the movement of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts, in fact, in the whole of Scripture, we see that outsiders always play an essential role in waking us up to God's social agenda. Outsiders always play an important role in awakening us to see what God wants us to do in our communities. In a spirit-shaped community, we must step into the lives of others. We have to look beyond our own little circles and be able to discern God's activity among the people that we might have been conditioned to see as others as different, maybe even less than. As we celebrate the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, one of the great heroes and leaders of our country, he's a great example, great example, prime example of someone who played an essential role in awakening us to see the inequalities and discrimination, especially against our African-Americans. 
And he challenged us to look beyond our own little circles and see the prejudices and biases we have and that we must change and come together in solidarity with one another, in unity with one another, and look beyond the color of our skin or look beyond our political differences or look beyond our cultural differences and beyond our social differences. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, this is what it says. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's, all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How wide, long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. You see, the love of Christ crosses all boundaries. It heals divisions. And this is how the spirit works. When we're in prayer and we're in his word and we're in fellowship with one another, the Holy Spirit activates our hearts and he tells us to get up and go and participate in this wonderful work that he has for us. So when was the last time you were surprised by God? Maybe it's been a while. It's been a whole minute. I encourage you to be open and pray and ask God to expose the areas in our lives that we need to change that, and, and that we need to repent of. And God, you know, he, he's going to surprise us. God can and should still surprise us. And this is necessary for our growth and for our humility. So let's go back to that first question. Why were they so surprised? It's because the spirit skips over the cultural conversion thing, right? And he reveals God's heart, God's desire to break down the, the, the dividing walls of hostility that have kept them captive as seeing one another as insiders and outsiders. So this leads us to our second question. How are we making room? so that we can discern the person and the work of the spirit in places and people we normally wouldn't expect? How are we making room so that we can discern the person and the work of the spirit in places and people we wouldn't normally expect? Rather than listening to outsiders, a lot of times what we do is we spend more time securing and setting up tight boundaries of the insiders, assuring ourselves that those people out there are the real problem and not us. And we see this pattern in today's story, right? Look at chapter 11, verses 2 and 3 with me. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? You see, Peter, when he returns to Jerusalem, after this powerful encounter with the Gentiles and Cornelius, he reconnects with the disciples and the circumcised believers in Jerusalem. Instead of celebrating with Peter, they criticize and judge him. And they're suspicious about, this, about these outsiders experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ. And their first response is criticism and judgment for Peter, 
associating with the unclean pagans, eating their unclean foods, and being in their unclean homes. Peter has broken all the rules, all the tight boundaries that he has spent his whole life carefully keeping. And his community is calling him out on it. This is an example of a self-righteous cultural mindset that believes people like us are the only ones who belong on the inside, and the insiders get to make all the decisions, should be protected with clear boundaries and high walls, and the insiders think if only if the outsiders would become like us, would do things like we do, then we wouldn't have all these problems. You see, when we take the gospel story and we use it for our own agenda, something terrible happens. And I heard a good example from a professor that I would like to use. He uses the example of the American Patriots Bible, right? And there's all different kinds of Bible out there, right? We have, for example, the Team Extreme Bible for teenagers. And, you know, we have the um, Jesus Storybook Bible for kids. I really like this one. It's actually really good. Um, and I read it um, sometimes with, with Ellie. But the American Patriots Bible is quite interesting. And I want to share with you the excerpt from the American Patriots Bible. This is what it says. The American Patriots Bible connects the teaching of the Bible, the history of the United States, and the life of every American. Discover biblical truths that form the foundation of American values and how they apply to today's culture. Examine the intersection between American history and the Christian faith through unique articles spotlighting the people and events that have made America great. See, when we claim the Christian, Christian story as our story that belongs to us, when we put ourselves at the center of God's story, something terrible happens. We lose the ability to see and hear God in the lives of others, the voices, and especially in the pain and the suffering of the outsider. And this is what's happening here in the Bible, right here in our story, among the Jews in Jerusalem. They criticized Peter on what he had done. What were they doing? They were domesticating God's story in the ideas about the greatness of Israel. They were domesticating God's story in the ideas about the greatness of Israel, that they, that, that, that they missed the bigger picture of what God was doing right in front of them through their neighbors. Brothers and sisters, we need to remember that we were once unclean Gentiles, outsiders. But because of Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into God's story as heirs of Abraham's promise. Thanks be to God. It says, we are not the insiders in God's story. Unless you are a descendant of one of the 12, 12 tribes of Israel, you were once an unclean Gentile outsider, just like me. And so we have to remember, we are adoptees and guests in God's story. And we must pay attention to outsiders who bear God's image. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22, it says, 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, but because of your evil, evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Apostle Paul reminds us that once we were all enemies of God, once we were all cut off from God, once we were far from God's promises and salvation, but in Christ, we have been reconciled. We have been brought near. So we must always remember our outsider status so that we can pay attention to other outsiders who bear God's image and whose dignity speaks truth into our lives. We need the courage and humility to listen. So how do we extend grace more and more? Not when we convince people to become like us, but instead when we recognize, we recognize the spirit moving beyond who we are, beyond our community, beyond our inside group. And we need the sensitivity we need the openness to see the spirit moving in people that are different from us. And when we welcome those people to be part of our community, what would that change about who we are? How would we understand God's people? The Christian story is the good news of God. It's the beautiful, diverse family out of strangers and outsiders and the book of Acts reminds us that the God of Israel loves the outsider, the orphan, the widow, the foreigner, the poor in spirit, the cast aside, and the prisoner. So how can we make more room to discern the spirits leading in places and people we wouldn't normally expect? Well, let's look at what Peter does. Peter begins to explain to them in chapter 11, as we read, he explains to them the whole story. The whole story that he experienced at Cornelius' house, and it's like his testimony. He tells them about Jesus, the outpouring of the Spirit, and how they witnessed the encounter of the Holy Spirit upon the outsiders. And he comes to this simple conclusion, verses 17 and 18. If God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections, objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You see, Peter advocates for the Gentiles, the outsiders, for Cornelius, the Roman centurion, Peter recognizes them as God's people. He, in a way, empowers them. He is accountable for them. Peter uses his platform and his voice to celebrate and support them. Peter's not saying the Jewish ways are bad. No, the Jewish ways are good. What he's saying is that, that people do not need to convert to the Jewish culture in order to be God's people. So what does Peter realize Look at chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak, 
now I realize. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears his name and does what is right. God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And if Peter can realize this, we can realize it too. We can change. We can refuse to be contained by our small ideas and know that God is so much greater. God is so much bigger. And he can reach far beyond ourselves and our own thinking, our own, our own little plans. And the awesome thing is that we can be part of God's plan. That's what we learned in the Matthew series. It's not our story. It's God's story, and we're just part of that story. That's the true blessing. That's when we're living the abundant life. If we humble ourselves and follow God's ways, and I know it's easier said than done, right? This is easier. This kind of thing doesn't usually happen overnight, right? We plant that seed of faith in our hearts and our minds, and we pray about it. Right? We, we acknowledge you, and we need to be living in the ways of Christ. We can't just come here on Sunday and then go out and then not live for Christ. God can't change our hearts that way. It has to be continuous, consistent, faithful living to Christ on a daily, daily basis, being intentional about reaching out with compassion, grace, kindness, gentleness, humility, and courage. So this leads us to our last question. How can we do that? Where can we start? How can we be intentional? We have to ask ourselves the hard questions. How might we be acting out of my own, our own self-righteous cultural mindset instead of humility and, and, and the openness of the spirit? How am I standing in God's way? What prejudices and biases do I have in my heart, that stand in God's way. You know, we need to be praying and asking God to expose these things in our heart. And, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, we're human, so we're going to make mistakes, right? The important thing is our heart. Do we have this heart, right? The heart that God is so much greater and beyond ourselves, right? If we make mistakes, it's okay, we can um, forgive each other and help each other and learn from each other. We admit, we repent, and we share, right, um, with people that we trust about things that we need to repent of or that we might be struggling with. The problem is when we refuse, when we're apathetic, we're silent, and we're indifferent. We act like, ah, that's not my problem. No, it's not about me. No. Read the Bible. God has the instructions for us. He tells us what we need to do. And he doesn't want us to be silent and indifferent, apathetic. No, that's not what Peter does. Peter could have not gone to Cornelius' house, but he went because the Spirit told him to go. We have to be obedient to the Spirit. We need to be good examples in our families, right? Our parents, 
our adults, we need to be good examples to the next gen. Show them what it looks like. Show them what it sounds like, right? To, to, to share about what? Being culturally mindful and aware about cultural diversity. And that will change. And over time, that changes our hearts, right? That changes our prejudices and our biases we have. And it will change the way we use our words, how we can be more gentle and compassionate and kind and edifying to one another. So ultimately, it's a heart thing. Are our hearts in the right place? My prayer today is that God can use us as peacemakers, where the Holy Spirit uses us to cross boundaries and build bridges with people and places that we would never have imagined. How awesome would that be? We want to go out. We want to come in. We don't want anyone to feel like a foreigner or outsider. We are the foreigners and outsiders. Praise be to God. And God uses us. God uses us when we humble ourselves. We pray. We seek God's word. And we have these conversations with one another. And that's my prayer. That God will use us as bridges peacemakers. And I want to share this last verse with you because it shows us what the kingdom of God looks like, what the people of God looks like. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. No one could count that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud, loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is what the church should look like. This is the beautiful people of God, all together from every nation, every tribe, people, and language. And what were they doing? They were worshiping Jesus. One great way to not stand in God's way is when we worship Jesus together. You see, when Peter and Cornelius, they met together, they didn't start talking about all their differences, right? I mean, no, instead, Peter, he shares the gospel story, the Holy Spirit comes, and they worship God together. I'm not saying we can't have these conversations. We should have these conversations, but the first thing we learn is we got to reach up. If in order to reach out, we have to reach up, right? And there's something about reaching up to God first, worshiping Jesus together, focusing our primary allegiance to Jesus. And the kingdom of God is a beautiful vision of what the church should look like. Every nation, tribe, people, and language crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And that's one of our visions here at our church. And God is moving us in that direction. I'm so excited about that. Are you? But we still have things to work out. Because why? We're not perfect. That's why we need God. That's why we need one another to continue to pray.
Let us reach up to God by worshiping Jesus together, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, asking God to expose the areas that we need to change and repent of. And God will show us, just like he showed Peter and Cornelius, God will show us. The Spirit is with us as he is with Peter. He was with Peter and Cornelius. God will tell us to get up and go. He will give us the strength to reach out to others. It's not easy, but God will give us the grace, the compassion, the courage, and humility to listen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with us. Will it take time? Yes, probably. It's not an overnight thing. But when we put in the hard work and we're really intentional, mindful, and obedient to the Spirit, the Spirit can work powerfully. And the Spirit will help us and lead us, bring us into unity, help us to be his people so that God will be glorified and that the people will be saved. Amen.